we're not just a bunch of cowboys and cowgirls running around doing their own thing, just sharing a brand. It's not that. We really are a cohesive team that spend a lot of time together and, and help each other succeed. Welcome to The Resilient Recruiter. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and today it's my pleasure to introduce you to Robin Dernicker. Robin is the managing partner of Zen Show Agency in Tokyo. Over the last two years, Robin's recruitment business has entered a phase of rapid growth, expanding from four employees to a firm of 22 people, with another five joining his team next month. What makes this even more interesting is that he's got quite a different business model in that each of his team members are not employees, they are independent contractors. I get a lot of questions from recruitment business owners asking me about how to build virtual teams and scale their business by hiring self-employed recruiters. I know many people who've tried and failed, and yet here's someone who's actually doing it successfully and making it work. In this interview, we delve into how he accomplished such spectacular growth. We also talk martial arts, philosophy, and the power of having a truly purpose-driven business. So Robin, tell me a little bit about your business. Okay, well, we are an executive search firm in Tokyo. And you know, we began in 2003. And at the time, we were known just as Zensho. And Zensho was, and, and still is, a, a legal specialty firm. So we, we hovered around uh, two to four recruiters for the next 12 or so years. Um, and I, I think probably similar to in most countries, but in Japan, the legal sector is very, very niche. It's very small. So most legal recruitment teams are, are anywhere between you know one to five people. Anyway, around 2014, 15, I started, well, I, I really had plans to to grow the business and uh you know for the preceding 12 years or so i was comfortable just keeping it small and just being focused on the legal area but i really wanted to do something with the platform i wanted to, to grow it bigger and knew that to do so we'd have to go into other areas other than legal kind of uh, tied in with that for the two or three years prior to that so around say 2010 11 I started just uh, getting a sense of a lot of dissatisfaction amongst senior recruiters in the market here. You know, people who had gotten into the business due to their love of recruitment were not loving the game anymore. There was just this overwhelming pressure of KPIs and needless meetings and, and all the rest of it. And, and there was a lot of frustration, a lot of, lot of stress accumulating you know, amongst the people I was speaking with. So I thought, well, there has to be a better way. There has to be another another solution. And it seemed that the only alternative to you know being part of the traditional kind of platform out there was to start your own thing. And everyone starts their own thing with a view to do something different. And, and oh, if it's successful, it often ends up becoming very similar to what they came from. There really wasn't a third option, I thought. And uh, so that's really how Zensho kind of changed into what we are now. I got a lot of inspiration for our model from the New York real estate brokerage industry. And I found that a lot of the top brokerages were attracting the best agents. All the agents were independent contractors, and the agents were being paid the lion's share of the revenue that they generated. And I thought, this was really interesting. And could this work in recruitment? And could this work in Japan? Of course, everyone told me no, but I thought it had to work. There had to be another alternative other than just going to a traditional firm or a boutique firm or starting your own thing. So after about a year of like a mad scientist in, in, in my room, you know, uh, coming up with uh, compensation plans and ideas and how I could kind of structure this, I had an idea to present to my existing two or three employees at the time. And they loved it. And, and then we launched Zencho Agency. We actually launched this new paradigm, this brand new way of how recruiters engage 
with the recruitment firm. We launched that under a new brand called The Agency. So we still had Zen Show for the legal side, and The Agency was for all the other practice areas. And then the company as a whole, though, is called Zencho Agency. And we launched that new idea in October 2016, when we still only had three people. And now we have about 25 consultants. We have another four or five joining us in January. And we have plans to launch uh, in Australia next year. So it's, a, it's been a very exciting last two or three years. Wow. That is uh, a great background and spectacular growth. What's interesting is you kind of ticked over for... 12 years or so, either yourself or a very small nucleus of a team. And then just in the last couple of years, you've had this extreme growth. Before we dive into that, let's go back a little bit. People are probably hearing your accent and wondering, but you said you're in Tokyo. So what, what are you doing in Japan? Yeah. So uh, my accent is all over the place. So I was born in Germany. My father's German, mother's English. I spent the first uh, eight years of my life in Liverpool where my mother's from. So I had a real Scouse accent, which I quickly lost when the family moved to Australia when I was eight. And so I became Australian and I moved to Japan in 1996 when I was 24 with the idea of being here for about six months. And the reason I came was because of my passion for martial arts. The grand master of the main martial art I study, I study two or three of them, but the main kind of art which brought me here was called, uh, it's called Bujinkan, Budo Taijutsu, and often referred to as Ninjutsu. And so I moved here in 96 to train with the grandmaster and his top students, and I've been doing that ever since. And that's certainly what brought me here, and that's uh, a large part of why I'm still here. But uh, I mean, my life is here now, of course, and a uh, Japanese wife, two kids, the whole thing. So, But yeah, martial arts was really the thing that brought me here, and it's certainly formed so much of who I am, and also, of course, has impacted my approach to business. And for me, it's been a real interesting journey, certainly for the last 10 years, to see the I guess the complementarity or the, the synergy between martial arts, philosophy, and business. And I find the essence really uh, one and the same. Let's talk about that because I'm on a similar journey myself, although not anything to the level uh, that you are, Robin, you know, because my journey is quite... I liked your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, post the other day. So oh, I do thank that as you. Well. I studied Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, the Russian art of Sistema, and this Japanese uh, Ninjutsu or Bujinkan, Budo Taijutsu. Wow. Officially so I didn't realize you were an actual ninja. That's cool. <laughs> Now the secret's out. It's I'm not going to be a very effective one, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> what is this relationship that you see between martial arts with business and building a recruiting firm? One of the key things you learn in, in martial arts, and, and certainly what I've come to see as the, the true purpose, I guess, of martial arts, on a lower level, on a basic level, it's fighting and self-defense and, and things like that. But if you look back, at, particularly in the Asian martial arts and the Chinese and the Ch Japanese masters, and you read some of the books you know, by them, the Zen masters and the Taoist masters, uh, you really get to see that what these paths, whether it's spiritual or martial, what they're really pointing to is they're really an invitation to realize your true nature, you realize your true self. And what I've found is just training in the dojo and so on is you really embrace this idea of being present. And for me, this concept of presence is really a powerful one. I find the more present I can be, the more effective I can be, the more I can respond to life as it happens, the more I can respond appropriately and spontaneously in the moment to whatever is happening, as opposed to my judgments about what's happening or my expectations for what I hope will happen. Actually being present uh, allows me to respond to what is happening. And I find in business in particular, that is very useful, particularly in our businesses in recruitment, you know, which can be so fast changing. It's very rapid. There's ups and downs. And just 
kind of dealing with things as they are rather than as I think they are or as I hope they are. It just helps me deal with stress a lot better, but just really to be more responsive rather than reactive to what's Mm. taking place. That's one area. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's great. And now, can you clarify the distinction between responsiveness versus reactiveness? Because that's uh, subtle but important. Reactiveness often comes, I wouldn't say ego-based, but it comes from, I I find a lot of fear-based, to be honest. It's based on sometimes on past experience or what we think is going to happen or what might happen. So we react. For example, I might you know, think someone's going to treat me a certain way, or I think that the look of someone, something might have happened to me because of someone who, you know, by, by someone who looked like that in the past or something, and it triggers a reaction, and which is really just a reaction of the mind. It's not actually based on what's actually happening. So I find when I respond to life, I'm a lot more empowered. I'm a lot more in control of what's happening, as opposed to when I react, it's like something else takes over. My fears or my ego takes over. Not so much about, you know, if I'm driving a car, I'm, I'm responding, you know, I don't have to think about what I'm doing all the time because I've had enough training experience to know how to drive a car or to ride a bike. But there's a certain amount of control that I can maintain. Um, and when I say control, I don't mean trying to bend reality to my desires, but really just to deal with things without this feeling a lack of control. It's, it's certainly very empowering. Yeah, I get it. No, absolutely. That's a good description. So I mean, you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, you have to go with the flow, right? If you're trying to, or if he does this, I'll do that. You know, we have these ideas and it never goes as you might think it go. You have to deal with things as they are. And in recruitment, certainly there's so many things that come at you, disappointments, setbacks, people letting you down, things not going according to plan. I guess what you're saying is the reaction is your automatic, what goes on in your brain versus the response is in your control. It's you're choosing how you respond in a particular situation. And that choice might happen instantly and spontaneously without any so-called thought happening. You know, it's like you've seen the movie, The Last Samurai, you know, and uh, he goes into this, it's called Mushin in Japanese, this no mind state where he can just respond to the attacks from the bad guys. So there's no thought there. There's no mind kind of uh, directing anything, but he's able to respond appropriately in that moment. And I see that as a different to a reaction, which is more ego or fear-based. And the other thing with martial arts, I think for business, the correlation there is it opens up your scope of awareness, your field of awareness. I think you become a lot more aware about your environment, the situation. I find that can be very useful, certainly in group meetings, where rather than going in there with an agenda or this is how I want things to be, it's really helped me just to, to listen to others and to really listen from their perspective from the perspective that they're speaking from. I just find my awareness, my ability to engage with people has been improved uh, tremendously through my training in martial arts. Interesting. Another thing I'm doing at the moment, Robin, is I'm starting to learn how to meditate and doing mindfulness and stuff like that, which Mm. sounds like there's a parallel there as well and being more present and aware of what's actually going on right now in this moment. So yeah, self-mastery is a topic that definitely applies to both martial arts and as well as to business. So that is super interesting and really, really cool. So tell me, most businesses who have gone 10 years without any significant growth, you would think that that plateau is pretty much permanent. They found their sort of comfort level. And then you have suddenly, like in the last couple of years, exploded into uh, you know multiple levels. What precipitated that? And then how did you actually achieve that? The main reason why I shifted 
our platform to this new paradigm, which I'll get into. I mean, you've heard of Simon Sinek talking yeah. about the, you know, start with why. When I read his book the first time a few years ago, I got a lot of inspiration from that and books like Good to Great by Jim Collins. The why question was something I've asked myself for a long time. And if I really look at myself and really my life over the last 20 or 30 years, my why has really been to empower others, to liberate others. And the platform of Zencho Agency really exists for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is to liberate, to free recruiters and to be a platform through which they can achieve the goals in their their goals in life, the things that are most important to them. And we just happen to do that through the business of recruitment. Of course, each person here has their own why, their own purpose, but collectively as a firm, that's why our platform exists. And so, you know, we take a typical recruitment platform, and I certainly by this, I don't mean they're evil or bad or anything like that, just different. They typically operate under the idea of, you know, how little can we pay our consultants and still retain them, still keep them? And certainly in Japan, that happens to be around uh, the average of about 30% commission. You know, if you bill $100,000, you'll probably take home about $30,000. Yep. That's the same, uh, same in the UK. There was a study done by APSCO, which is one of the professional bodies here, along with Deloitte. And they did a sort of industry trends and, and benchmarking survey. And on average, recruiters keep 30 to 35% of their net fee income. Mm, okay. I've heard it's even less sometimes at, at some of the bigger shops. Uh, it's usually a big black box. You don't really know what you're going to get. It depends on the, what you did in this quarter and that quarter and, and all of that. And there's often a, a real lack of transparency, I think, in that regard. And I think in our business, nothing worse for a recruiter than not knowing what you're going to take home. So I wanted to flip that around and, and think, well, how much can I pay our recruiters and still be a profitable business? And so with that in mind, uh, the lion's share of our compensation plan, I, I won't go into all the details, but it, it starts at 70%. So our recruiters take home, well, I'll, I'll give it to you, <laughs> they take home between 70 and 90% commission. There's also equity, which is something that will kick in from January next year. I made the decision about a month ago to make everyone in the company, every single person is, is now a partner and they all are given equity and, uh, and they're a partner, not just, it's not just a cosmetic title. They're a partner in every sense of the word. They are primarily responsible for their own practice, but they collectively together is what uh, makes the firm what it is. Yeah. So I really wanted to create an environment that where each person was empowered and free to live life on their own terms. Everyone here is a, is a senior recruiter, anywhere from four to 15 years experience. As I mentioned, they're all independent contractors. So they are their own business. They're in business for themselves, but not by themselves. There's a real value in being part of our tribe, as we say. And my job really is to view them as my clients, if you will. My job is to help them succeed. And I provide the platform and help with the marketing and all the apps and all the infrastructure. We have a team that helps them with all the invoicing and all of that, training, coaching, and all of that. So I, I go from being a boss to more of a coach or a, a kind of a, a guardian of our brand and our culture. And uh, that's the thing that really sets us apart. The quality of people we have here is tremendous. We have a, a zero asshole policy, <laughs> which people seem to like uh, when we talk about this. We've turned away several people, including some big billers. They certainly weren't all assholes, but some of them just wouldn't fit our culture. We have a great camaraderie. People help each other without any kind of expectation of anything in return. And it's the culture which I think really keeps people here. I mean, anyone could technically copy our compensation plan tomorrow, but it's our culture that's really uh, our DNA. So yeah, that's really why this company exists. And it's why I'm hugely 
grateful to everyone here because of them i get to live my why every day and i get to live a life of fulfillment every single day and i come into the office awesome i love it there's so much to unpack there by the way robin your website is awesome for people who want to check it out it's zen show z e n s h o dot agency so zen show dot agency really great website and what comes across loud and clear is the why. And I was going to ask you if you were inspired by Simon Sinek, because mm-hmm. when I saw your website, I went, man, this guy has really worked on his purpose and understanding why he's in business and why he's doing what he's doing. And it's so, so powerful. Talk to me about the journey of discovering your why and, and the Simon Sinek material. You can see behind me, I've got a, a massive library here of, yeah. uh, of books, which I, which I consume on a daily basis. But I've always been fascinated by topics about purpose, and, and especially when it comes to philosophy, particularly uh, Asian philosophies of Zen and Taoism. And I've got my, my thoughts on all of that. What is this thing we're experiencing right now? What is the purpose of it all? So I like to talk about those things with people who are willing to engage. But uh, in terms of the company, so I read the book and then Simon Sinek's website, I think, has a number of resources for discovering your own personal why, but also in terms of your team or your corporation. So we had some offsite weekends where we gathered everyone together and we went through that. You know, What you see on the website is really a result of what came from all those getaways when we really looked at each person, what is their why. Something I found actually quite interesting was um, I read something only quite recently where Simon Sinek said, your why doesn't change and it's been the same since childhood. And uh, that was interesting for me because I believe that to be true. If I look back when I was a kid, I mean, the thing I've always enjoyed is to help others, to try and empower others. And I think now I'm just able to do that through this model, hopefully, when it comes to uh, helping recruiters. But you know, I think the model could change. The service we deliver could change, but the why would still be the same. That's awesome, Robin. So it sounds like you were called to grow this business driven by that why, that being able to empower more people through this model. And that was what prompted or inspired you to actually decide to, to grow and, and to do it in the way that you did. But that growth is tremendously fast. So I'm wondering like, what challenges or problems did you encounter in the process of trying to go from three people to 22 people and then Mm -hmm. another five next year sounds like you're 10xing your company in a matter of three years or something i think it's been a combination of a few things i mean firstly our insistence on only having great people on board because i think you know Typically, the market judges you from who it determines is your your lowest kind of denominator. And we've just got great people here. I mean, obviously, I sound biased here, but uh, it's very hard to find a recruitment firm with, say, 25 people where everyone genuinely likes each other, genuinely is excited at their colleague's success without any envy or anything like that. It's a remarkable environment we've crafted here. And it's happened all very organically. You know, we've got an environment where we get rid of all the crap and just give our people the best of what they need pay them well. Because this idea, there's a couple of places in in the market here, they're starting to, they're hearing about us. So they're starting to let their people work from home. And they're saying, hey, you can work flex time. And that's great. That's a great start. It's definitely a step forward. But if they're still paying crappy commissions, then it's not really freedom at all. I mean, freedom without adequate reward isn't really freedom. Uh, You're still tied to when that next commission is coming in, almost like a drug, right? You've got to, when's your next hit? And I wanted to really create something where people are truly free to come in if and when they please, but they're totally supported regardless of whether in, in the office or we have one guy who lives in, in the mountains of Nagano, which is three hours north. We have one guy in the US, another guy in Russia right now, all working the Japan market. And there's no 
disadvantage for them not being on the ground here, other than they just can't meet their clients and candidates every day physically, which we don't do anyway. So as long as they're here on a regular basis, they can uh, be just as involved and engaged with their clients as anyone else. So in terms of the growth, I think it's happened a lot through some of the people we've had come recently. You know, they they have their own networks of recruiter friends and colleagues and uh, former colleagues that they start to tell about what it's like to be here. What's been amazing for me is is seeing each person being an advocate or an evangelist uh, almost for this business. It's not because they have to, but they hearing them talk about the platform and why we exist and what it's meant for them and their lives. I mean, one of my colleagues just the other day, he's had a second baby and he said, just to be able to not have to ask permission to go home early or to be there or to take a week off or whatever. Another guy takes his kid to daycare every morning now when he couldn't do that before. So people now can really create a life on their terms and still be rewarded for it, still be supported for it, still be part of a crew that's got their best interests at heart. And we invest a lot in branding and social media and marketing, and that's doing a really good job of getting our message out. As we might have spoken before, you go back on the 80, 90 years, or you go back to the Industrial Revolution, we see that all the power was all centralized. It was all in the office or the factory. And there was this idea of talent going out in search of work. But now we see that largely unraveling. We see that decentralization happening. We see the power going back to the people, so to speak, and work going out in search of talent. Look at the Ubers and the Airbnbs, et cetera. And I think recruitment as an industry is ripe for that change. It's not a thing where you have to be you know, some people say well, recruitment is a thing you do. It doesn't have, it's not a place you have to sit. It's about results. It's about where you need to be to get the work done. And I wanted to be a very active voice in that conversation, which I think is taking place globally. This move toward, when I say remote or distributed work, it just meaning not necessarily remote globally, but just not having to be in an office all day to cut that chain. And what's wonderful when we did it, when we made that switch to the new model, it didn't just free up the people working here. It also freed up me. I mean, my relationship with them changed. I, I went from being their boss and you know paying them a salary and thus demanding certain results from that to really being a colleague who's going to be fighting for their success and trying to help them as be as successful as possible. Wonderful. I love it. Now, <laughs> you've highlighted that one of the keys to success is only working with truly great people and that one of your most successful internal recruitment strategies is that because people are true believers, they're fully engaged in, in the culture, they believe in the purpose, they're actually great referral sources and they're tapping into their networks to bring more great people on board. That makes a lot of sense. You make it sound kind of easy. I'm sure there's been challenges or obstacles or but like if you look back on everything that has taken you to where you are now, both the triumphs and the, and the failures, what are some of the road bumps that you had to navigate where things didn't go perfect? And how did you find your way? You're right. Since we've had this new model, probably the first year, we only added a few people. A couple of them didn't last. The next year, we grew relatively slowly. And I think part of the reason is, and we had to tweak a few things here and there. So it was definitely an, an educational time for me and everyone on board. We weren't able to attract too many people in the beginning because it's such a new paradigm. This idea of being a, an independent contractor just to be clear, that means you don't get a base salary. There's no base salary. If you don't make deals, you don't get paid. I was dealing with mindset. And there were a lot of people who we spoke to who 
based on their track record of billings, they could easily not just survive here, but thrive here. I mean, their practice was largely self-driven and they had the relationships with the clients and candidates. They consistently were making, you know, upwards of three or 400,000 US in revenue a year. And given our compensation model, you know, one deal is worth two or three anywhere. They wouldn't have any financial concerns. And, and we've got several of those people who have joined. A couple of people, even with that type of strong practice, the difficulty was to move from that employee mindset of a fixed salary and of being an employee to being an entrepreneur, you know, someone who's really responsible for their own business. I think it's a door a lot of people don't want to open. That's not a good or a bad thing. It's just, it's interesting just to see different types of people being attracted to different types of models. And so I found I had to help, I guess, my message changed over the last couple of years to really help people not just see the value uh, or the benefits of being part of our system, but, but help get them across that divide between being a full-time employee, getting a fixed salary, to being an entrepreneur, getting no guarantee. But, and I truly believe this, some people who said no to us because they said, well, I want the stability of you know, full-time employment. And I'd often come back with, I think what you mean is the predictability or the, even the probability. Because uh, I think if you're someone who's making deals and making revenue, then you don't need the base salary. And if you're not making deals or revenue, how long is your employer going to keep paying you a base salary? Probably not too long. So I'd rather be in control of my own future, my own destiny, my own security. And if I know I'm someone who can do deals consistently and then be supported in that by a great firm with a great reputation, etc., I'd rather take the chance on myself, really be responsible for my own future security on my terms. So that's the kind of mindset that develops with the people who join us. The model you're describing is very unusual, let's say, in the UK market, and I suspect in Australia as well. And, and I don't know the Japanese market very well, but from what you're describing, this is very different. Now, in the US, however, there are a lot of firms where all of the recruiters are self-employed independent contractors. And one of the reasons, I'm going to call them reasons rather than excuses, you know, limiting beliefs, when owners tell me, Mark, there's no point in me hiring people because... If they're any good, they're just going to start up their own firm anyway. So that's kind of the limiting belief that they've got. Like, what's the point? And maybe that's happened to them in the past. They hired someone. People can always leave and, and set up on their own or go to a rival. But I wonder if there's a greater possibility of that happening when you're hiring someone who has got more of an entrepreneurial mindset. So they're sort of already, if they come and work for you as an independent contractor, they make that sort of mindset shift to go, well, hang on a second. I want to be in charge of my own destiny. I want to have ultimate freedom and so on. Then why not go all the way, you know, follow that to its logical conclusion and go, well, I want to be the person who's running the show. Great question. And we've definitely had a couple of people not come on board because of that. But the majority of people who do come are at that same crossroads. Do I just start my own thing? And I often tell them, I'll be the first to tell you from experience, doing your own thing often doesn't mean more money or more time. So yes, with our compensation model, they give up, say, 10 to 30% of the revenue. But the key is, if you're on your own, then you're literally on your own. And like I say, you're in business for yourself and not by yourself. You're part of a reputation, a brand that opens doors, a brand that has you know, several hundred clients already signed up, great database, marketing, and of course, just the colleagues, the, the amount of splits, the amount of deals that happen and, and the uh, colleagues introducing each other in a different vertical to their clients, etc. So you might make more splits and more deals than you would on your own. And so the small percentage of revenue that you give up, and I love it. I spend so much time on, on the administration side of things, dealing with 
whatever matters related to marketing or the system. And if I had to do that and also have to build a, a practice, and I still do recruit myself, but if that was my main source of income, and I had to deal with all the running of the business as well, certainly I'd make fewer deals and ultimately less money as well. So I think it's for people who know they can do it and who want some autonomy, but it's that beautiful middle ground where you also don't have to deal with all the hassles of the operation. And it's that uh, kind of one plus one is, is uh, well, it's more than two, so to speak. You're, it's more powerful. I agree 100%. It's a very, very good point. One of the key struggles or challenges, because I coach a lot of solo kind of independent recruiters, one-man bands or, or very small firms. And I don't think you can overstate how challenging it is to wear so many hats and how stretched for time people are because you're trying to, you've not only got the job of a recruiter running a desk and all of that entails. I mean, that's more than a full-time job by itself, right? If you think of how many hours a typical recruiter works just to do deals, then you've got another layer on top of that, which is the business management. So you need website, you need to do your tax return, you need to deal with technology and the software and so on, and the marketing and the social media and all that. That's another full-time job, right? Just managing a business. And then you've got potentially, if you want to hire people, you are also a a manager. And so that's another job managing a team. So you're really doing three full-time jobs, but you're only one person. So it's not an easy gig for sure. No. In terms of my own journey, you asked me earlier about challenges. Oh, God, I've made mistakes. I've made wrong hires. Like back when I was doing the traditional thing with, you know, we had employees and, and so on. And uh, just like any any company, hired a couple of wrong people, made some decisions on this or that. They didn't quite go to the plan. But for me, I, I look at it all as a, a learning experience. And something Richard Branson said is, what is it? Something like train and reward your people well enough so they can leave you but treat them well enough so they'll they'll never want to. And I think that's kind of the philosophy I have here. I mean, any person here could, technically speaking, start their own thing tomorrow. And look, if that's what happens, then we've been a success because, like I said, our platform is to help you achieve the life that's important to you. Not my life, not my goals, but your goals. And if that is you spend a few years with us and it gives you some kind of confidence or springboard for you to do your next venture in life, then fantastic. We served a purpose for you on your journey. And I'm totally fine with that. It just so happens that people stay here because I think they enjoy the camaraderie and and the benefit of of being part of a culture. We're all individuals and yet we share this common purpose. And uh, it's really powerful to see when we all get together. Robin, that's amazing. And I agree with you that there's no real such thing as failure, only feedback. Unless you give up, then you can't really fail because you can keep trying until you succeed and be smarter and you know more skilled the next time you try it. It has happened very organically. And again, the social media and word of mouth, and uh, we've won some awards from the Recruitment International Awards and things like that, which all helps. But just reaching out to, we've got like, we only just started 20 to 25 recruiters in Australia, mostly across the Eastern Seaboard that have expressed a real strong interest in when and if and when Zencho Agency is going to launch there. And so we're exploring that now. Uh, I'm from Sydney, so it uh, you know kind of makes sense anyway to be in both places. But it's something that I, I think really has the ability to impact recruiters and not just impact the recruiters. I think the benefits and the value is kind of obvious for the recruiter, but we're finding there's so many clients and candidates uh, coming to us. And while they may not necessarily know our model, it's, it's kind of irrelevant for them, whether our guys are employees or independent contractors or what they get paid. But what they're seeing, what they're feeling is they're engaging with a recruiter who is empowered, who is a partner, is a co-owner of our business, so has the autonomy and the authority to make decisions. The recruiter they engage with is invested in this business, so cares about the quality and the delivery. 
is senior, is someone by necessity, has to be a proven performer, can really work deeply with the client, doesn't have to spread himself or herself too thin to make ends meet because they're rewarded so well. And all of this has great knock-on benefits for the end user, for the customer, for the client or the candidate. And uh, we're hearing that all the time. I love it. It makes total sense. By the way, you mentioned Recruitment International. Just like mm. the website, you've won awards with them every year, virtually 2014, Best Legal Recruitment Company, 2015, again, the same, 2016, the same. Then it changes. They stopped it after that. They well, stopped it after that. Oh, they stopped right? the legal. Well, no, they've got, <laughs> the legal, the legal got uh, 2018 Best Recruitment Company to work for, Best Newcomer Rising Star, and then 2019 Best Leader of the Year. These are the Recruitment yeah. International Asia Awards. So that's that's awesome. Fantastic. That was a real surprise. My guys actually put me forward secretly for that. I had no idea. Oh, that's they, cool. they, it's quite funny because before they, the judges announced the winner, they read out a little blurb that the judges uh, said about the winner. And they said a few things. And I'm sitting there going, oh, that guy sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and then they read my name out. So it was really oh, yeah. nice. And um, it was really nice of the guys to surprise me like that. And by putting in the application, of course, still with no idea that I would win it. But as I said, it really is testament to them. If you build it, they will come type of thing. I started the platform, but really what we have now is based on the the hard work, the efforts, and the inspiration of everyone here. Without them, there would be no platform, and it's for them that we exist. I love it. Robin, you mentioned Australia and expansion. What are your plans there? Yeah, so I can't go into too much detail yet, mostly because we're still largely in the kind of uh, figuring out phase. I think we might want to start off with a, a few key people you know, who we think really fit the culture. And I want to make sure that anyone in Australia certainly feels part of the, the larger body that we are. So there'll be a lot of collaboration between Japan and Australia. Japan is such a lifetime employment type of culture. The fact that we have 25 so far and soon to be 30 recruiters here gives me a lot of optimism for, you know, when we launch in Australia or elsewhere. I think this model will be much more readily accepted in those markets. Awesome. So yeah, nothing really concrete uh, in the sense of it has to go a certain way. I just like to kind of, again, this is the martial arts, but really kind of go with the flow and not be too fixed on how things are going to happen. I don't like to have too many expectations. I usually end up getting disappointed that way. As a great teacher told me once, don't argue with reality because when you do, you'll always lose. <laughs> right, fair enough. You know, so I like to kind of just see how things play out. Robin, in the spirit of going with the flow, I know you don't have an official date for opening Australia, but if people are interested in your model and wanted to reach out to you to find out more, then what's the best way for them to contact you? Probably just go to the website that you mentioned earlier, zenshow.agency, and either contact me. Uh, they go to my profile there. They'll see my email address, or they can just send it to the inquiry email, which also comes to me. So I'd uh, be more than happy just to jump on a quick call with them or even email just to share a bit more about who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing it, why we're doing it differently. And I travel back to Sydney and Melbourne maybe three or four times a year. So if uh, the opportunity arises, definitely can sit down with people as well. But it's quite exciting to think about where we're going and it's just no real agenda. Just to, It's just fun to help more people and to see where this can go. I guess you can't see it, but well, you can see it. But I can people see. won't be able yeah. to see it. Or maybe we'll talk about this some other time. A, a lot of inspiration for this model actually came from my journey into the Amazon. Wow. <laughs> which maybe, maybe we should, I don't know if we should talk about this or not, but well, I've been down there twice now and spent a couple of weeks each time living with some uh, native uh, people there and engaging in some very interesting interesting uh, ceremonies with the shamans and uh, oh, I bet. partaking of some interesting uh, brews. Well, I, you know, we don't have time today, but that's a whole nother. You know, Robin, you're, I could talk to you for ages. In fact, 
Can I invite you to come back again another time? Because I think there's more we could delve into, but hallucinogenics, uh, maybe we can put on the, <laughs> that on the agenda for next time. I'm one of those few people who are, who are not shy about it. And I think part of the problem with these things is people uh, try to keep this kind of stuff hidden. And for me, it's been a, a very interesting journey. And uh, yeah, definitely one for another podcast about how that has, I guess, brought some inspiration for me and my journey and 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 how that's kind of manifested out here in, in the real world. Interesting. I don't know if you listen, I, part of the inspiration for this podcast is because I like the Joe Rogan podcast and he talks about that kind of stuff a lot. But listen, in addition to the Simon Sinek work about finding your why, anything else that is on your reading list right now? Yeah, I'm actually reading a great book right now by Ray Dalio called Principles. I think he owns the most successful hedge fund. Yeah, yeah. If I understand correctly. He actually says in his book, if he had to boil down his success to one reason that stood out from anything else, and it was his practice of meditation. So I haven't got to that bit yet, but I read that in an interview. I like to read a lot of books on mindfulness, on philosophy and, and spirituality, even though I'm not religious by any means, martial arts. And I like to draw kind of correlations between those kind of books and philosophies and, and business. And so I get a lot of inspiration from them. I, I'm always in the middle of 10 or 15 books uh, related to that kind yeah. of stuff. There's a common theme here emerging. I feel very privileged uh, and honored to do these interviews because I get to hang out with cool people like you, Robin. And what's interesting is there's a lot of common themes between the most successful people in this business. And you mentioned building a tribe and it's on your, your website. I'm finding organically that my tribe is, is emerging. And, you know, there are some common factors, people who are into self-improvement and constant learning you know, reading interesting books, including not just business and, and books on sales, but philosophy and, uh, you know, different topics like that. Some great books on that. I mean, um, some modern day philosophers like kind of spiritual teachers, I guess, like Tim Freak, is his actual name, Tim Freak, in, in the UK, Byron Katie. She's got a wonderful book called Loving What Is, and she's based oh. out of California. There's a famous book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, I'm sure yes. um, you might have heard of. Yeah, these types of people, like, I, I think bringing some of that ancient kind of Asian philosophy, Zen, Taoist philosophy, uh, you know, that non-duality, non-dualistic kind of philosophy from India into the, the modern practical world or the Western world, I should say. I enjoy that kind of stuff more now than just typical kind of business books. Of course, I still read all that kind of stuff as well. So Yeah, no, totally. And I, I also relate to your no assholes policy. <laughs> there are a lot of really good people in this business. And those are the people who I tend to attract are the people who are just really nice people who, who love sharing ideas. And, you know, the fact that you're coming on today and also the philosophy that you shared earlier about helping people on their journey and empowering others to achieve their why. I do bump into business owners and recruiters who are very sort of self-contained and, and almost jealous or, or don't want to share or talk to the people in case it somehow takes away from or diminishes their own success. And I've got much more of an abundant mindset. I collaborate. I'm friends with a lot of my competitors, actually. And, you know, I chat with them on a regular basis and we, we compare notes and, um, you know, I don't tell them all my secrets, but... Uh, I'm the same. I think, you know, you've got to have an abundant mentality. And I'd like to think that all of our competitors, I mean, I've been in this business now for 19 years in Japan and uh, just, I, I can't think of any enemies or anything like that. It's just not life's too short. There's enough out there for everyone. And uh, I think as an industry, the more we can support each other and build each other up, even if they're competitors, it helps advance the industry. It helps advance our reputation as an industry. And uh, I think in Japan, we could do a better job of that. You know, at the RI Awards, for example, it's a great gathering of, of 
people that used to work together and now run competing companies, but there's still a good camaraderie there. And, and, I, and I quite like that. I think that's really important. Now, I know there's some companies out there that are helping individuals set up their own recruitment firms. And that's not what we are. We're not about people being individual recruitment firms. We really are one firm, one team. And if you didn't know about our compensation plan or contractors versus employees. If you didn't know that, you would think we were just a tightly knit, great team like you'd expect from any great team. And I often have to make sure that people are making sure the message is out there that we're not just a bunch of cowboys and cowgirls running around doing their own thing, just sharing a brand. It's not that. We really are a cohesive team that spend a lot of time together and and help each other succeed. I love it. Thank you so much, Robin. We'll say uh, until next time. Fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And thanks for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed our conversations and look forward to uh, discussing this stuff in more detail. All right, Robin. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. Thank you. Okay, I've got our Stoic Thought for the Day feature coming right up. But first, let me extend an invitation. If you'd like my help to build the recruitment business of your dreams, then apply for a free 30-minute strategy session with me at www.recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. Now, here's my latest note I've saved on my Kindle from Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, which coincidentally seems coherent with the theme of my conversation today with Robin. Here we go. If you can cut yourself, your mind, free of what other people do and say, of what you've said and done, of the things you're afraid will happen, the impositions of the body that contains you and the breath within, and what the whirling chaos sweeps in from outside so that the mind is freed from fate, brought to clarity, and lives life on its own recognizance, doing what's right, accepting what happens, and speaking the truth. If you can cut free of impressions that cling to the mind, free of the future and the past, can make yourself, as Empedocles says, a sphere rejoicing in its perfect stillness, and concentrate on living what can be lived, which means the present, then you can spend the time you have left in tranquility and in kindness and at peace with the spirit within you. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Resilient Recruiter. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. Music